You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, host of What Were You Thinking?, I'm the author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather, which are about our pets. This week, my wife Linda is going to talk to Janet Tweston about, well, about her fish and her lizard. So take it away, Linda. Hello. Hi, Linda. How are you? Hi, Janet. We're so happy you to, that you came on the show. Oh, I'm delighted to do this. Oh, well, we, we just are so glad that you did, and uh, we wanted to talk to you. I thought of you quite a long time ago because you've had such a wide variety of pets over the years, and I know you love animals. Oh, I do. And um, we went to Janet's house one time, and one of the first things I noticed when we came in the door is that, and this is Janet Tweston, I should have made a formal introduction, okay. and uh, one of the things that I noticed when we first walked in her house was this beautiful saltwater aquarium just to the right of the inside the door there and it's built into the wall and it's this big beautiful thing. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about that as far as I know you have a person that comes once a month to maintain it and that sort of thing. Well actually I've taken over the maintaining of it myself. Okay good well then you can tell us a, a, a little bit about the maintaining of it and what you have in there fire as fish and also the coral and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that I know people would be interested to hear about that. All right. Well, uh, it's a 60-gallon fish tank, and it's semi-circle. It was made right for the entrance of my wall, yes. and it go, it's a wall that goes between the living room and the kitchen, so it makes it a nice room divider and a great conversation piece. And so it's how not, tall is it? It is uh, probably close to five feet tall, because I'm six feet. Yes. It's about five feet. And it's made out of the plastic. Yes. And it has, uh, I call it the Binford engine. It's got these pistons and everything underneath that keep it working. And I have had it set up now for probably about six years. Yes. Um, it is almost self-maintaining. The, the first couple of months that you set up a saltwater tank and you use live rock, I think they get it from Fiji, So you can expect anything in the live rock from little crabs to the feather duster worms. That's a, it's a, it looks like a coral. A brush comes out of a worm, but it's, it's actually a type of worm. Is it okay for that to be in there? Oh yes, that's all part of the, uh, the, the underwater system, the coral reef system. The flora and fauna of the coral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine for that. So you get little surprises out of All that. All kinds of little surprises. And that's what's desirable, the live rock. Oh, that, that would be. The old way that they used to set up with dead artificial corals, that wasn't healthy to the fish. Really? You put the live rock in there, it gives them their same environment. That's what they want. Yep. 
So, so what were some of the first fish you got in oh, there? Well, I had some blue damsels that I put in there in the beginning, which is kind of a typical first prior outer saltwater fish the, person thing. They're and, simple to raise? Or? Well, they were very aggressive. Oh. And so as I started to add other fish, they were very dominant to them. So I actually traded them back to the, the fish store. And then we started with a couple of clownfish, which, again, is an easier beginner fish, like Nemo and Marlin. <laughs> They're very hardy, aren't they? Very hardy. I, in fact, I still have my original pair. And like I said, that's going on maybe six years. That's wonderful. Aren't clownfish the ones that hide inside the anemones, and they right. don't, the anemones don't hurt them, even though anemones can be poisonous to yep. certain things? In fact, I have a, a carpet anemone in there which it will change shapes. At times it looks flat, and times it will go under the gravel. You think it's gone, and then it comes up like a big flower. And I have another set of clownfish in there that have kind of a stripe down their back, and they have claimed that, that carpet anemone. And if I feed them little tiny pieces of cocktail shrimp that you get over the counter, they will actually go up, snatch that piece, and bring it into the anemone so that they can feed the anemone. What? Yeah, they'll bring it right in there, and then the anemone will kind of curl the tentacles around and draw it inside. Does the anemone eat the, sh is it shrimp? Is yep, that what you said? the shrimp. So they eat they, the shrimp, too. Yep. So they have kind of this symbiotic relationship. The, the clownfish um, can go in there. I think the idea is that they're to attract other fish to come in, but and then the anemone supposedly it, it takes the other fish. But the, the kind that they have in the aquariums don't do that. But the, the little clownfish will nestle in there just like in the movie. They'll, I've seen that. Yep, they'll nestle in there, and the anemone gives them, I believe, kind of a protective coating. Oh. And um, they, they like to hide in there, and but they actually do feed it. And I... I find that to be quite amusing. It is. You get people in here, you give a little piece of shrimp, and they'll drag <laughs> it right in and feed the anemone. <laughs> so that they give them protection, and then in turn, they feed them. Yeah. That is so good. Yeah, what would you say about a coating? A coating well, on what? I think, as I understand, and I may be wrong, that the anemone kind of puts a protective coating on the clownfish. Like a, like a slimy like thing? Yeah, it, nothing that you would see, but it's kind of a protection. Against their acids or whatever? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't really know, but that's what I have been told, that it, they kind of give them a little coating. Now, you've had those six years, you said. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, well, like I have a yellow tang in there. Oh, they're beautiful. Describe those to the people. Um, it's, it's a large fish, flat, very flat. And again, if anybody had seen the, the Nemo movie, um, uh, they're bright yellow. Yeah, it, it, that one I think was a blue and yellow one, the the Dora in the the movie. But um, it this one is bright yellow. It's very attractive, and it's kind of funny. Um, occasionally there'll be a dispute between the two different varieties of uh -oh. fish, <laughs> and the the tang will go right between them, and it'll be like, break it up, boys! It's about that. <laughs> pretty uh, red um, fire shrimp, and everybody will say, oh, what's that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, it's just like your regular shrimp that you get at the store, um, but of course this one is pretty and red, and, 
And what he does is he's a type of cleaner uh, shrimp. Oh. And if you get bring in a new fish from the fish store, they'll sometimes go all over them, cleaning little parasites and things off of their body. And they're actually very useful in the saltwater fish. That's tank. wonderful. Yep. And then I have a large bubble coral that I've had for a year and a half. Um, in the beginning, when I first had the tank set up, it was kind of hard to keep that alive, but it actually makes big bubbles on the ends of it. And those, again, at night will get real small and scrunch right down. You'll think, oh, that's dead. Oh. And then as soon as the light comes on it, it just comes right back to life and um, very, very pretty. Oh, how fun. Yeah. So there's quite a bit of movement in the corals from hour to hour. They move different ways. Yeah. They have little ten. Most of them have little tentacles, don't they? Um, that's more of the anemone that has the tentacles. Okay. Uh, the corals don't. Yeah, the, the corals more kind of like the underwater plants, but they're still animals. Yes. But they, they look more plantish when you're going along the, the coral reefs and in fact, I'd just been to Antigua, and we did a lot of uh, uh, snorkeling, and there's a lot of uh, corals, and all the beautiful fish that you'd see in the saltwater tank were right there in the ocean. How beautiful. And uh, very pretty. In fact, I saw a lot of the uh, little damsels, and then there, we'd see a lot of the um, uh, common uh, saltwater fish. It's a black fish with a little white dot, and they can be kind of aggressive, but they would nip at our feet while we were out snorkeling. <laughs> in the shallows. Yeah, in the shallows. Yeah, they, they're they're little rascals. Now, the, the corals come in all different colors, don't oh, they? Oh, yes, yes. There's reds and browns and greens. and. Um, but they're an animal, not a fish, yeah, not, a, not a plant. They, they're an animal. Yeah, they're an animal. So your tank has been healthy through the whole time you've had it. Yep, and I do water changes. About, how much a week? Uh, well, I do it every couple of weeks. And I take out maybe, I siphon out about five gallons, and I, I have a thing that looks like an underwater vacuum cleaner. It's a big tube, and I'll clean the sediment and the old food that goes into the, the crushed coral base. And that's not sand. It's a crushed coral that's on the, the bottom of the tank. And you kind of clean up all the debris, and at the same time, you're bringing out the water and putting it into a big bucket. Mm-hmm. Then you... um. You have replacement water, which is the artificial sand, adding uh, artificial salt, excuse me, and you, you mix that with your regular tap water. And So you do use regular tap water. Right, right, I, I do. I don't use it with the water softener. I have a shutoff, and I use the, actually I have well water out here. So I use the well water, which really has a lot of minerals in it, which is good for them. But the pH of it is not a problem? No. You, you check your pH as you're, as you're adding your salt. And that's for your salt, uh, well, that's, um, excuse me again, the specific gravity. And I really have no, I have not had much of a problem with the pH itself. I have a little buffer that I put in there from time to time. But I have not had much trouble with the pH. It's so you test the pH, what, every couple weeks then? Oh, no. I've, I've done it about, I do it about once a year now. Really? Yeah, because I know that I have no problem with the well water. And if I add just a capsule of the, uh, of the buffer, I'm usually okay. Well. And then there's some other products that you can add. There's some, oh, Coral Life iodine that you can mix in with the salt and, and add that in. But I, I just do that once in a while to just kind of give the corals a boost. Yes. 
But um, I, I only have probably about six or seven fish because you find that every time you add a new one, um, another one seems to go go by the wayside. So yes. You, you just kind of keep your natural balance in there. You don't want to add too much to throw things off. No, like a lot of beginners will try to throw all, they want all the color and they want all the fish and they'll try to put a whole bunch together. Doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. It will work in freshwater fish, but it won't work for saltwater. Sounds like you've had a very good experience with that tank. Oh, wonderful. I also have a 25-gallon saltwater. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, and that one has uh, three clownfish in it and a fish that's called a cardinal. And it, it, since it's small, um, I, I just keep just to the small amount of fish. And I have a, a shrimp in there, a gleaner shrimp in there that also tidies up. You you also have little crabs, little snails that you add that that eat algae and and keep the tank clean. It, it's really mandatory to keep uh, some snails and some uh, little crabs in there, and they're very interesting to watch. Them yes, going across the coral and picking little things out of the coral. It's just fun to watch those kind of fish work. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Then I also have a uh, forty gallon freshwater. Yeah, fish. I was going to ask you about the freshwater one, and you have more fish in that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, down in my basement area. I have a guest room down in the basement. And I find that people really enjoy that when they stay here. It's uh, very soothing, and they uh, I get a lot of compliments on, on both of the fish tanks. They, they really are. It's them. very relaxing to sit in the evening and watch the goings-on of the fish. It's better than television a lot oh, of times. It, oh, it is. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it is such a relaxing thing. Now, I have had some large black angelfish down there for years that are almost as big as your hand. Oh, my. And I started them when they were small with the other uh, freshwater tropicals, the, the cardinals and brass tetras. And so they all get along fine because they were all started off together. So there's been no aggressiveness. It's whenever you put one in new. That's yeah, when it... if I was to add one of the big angels now into, say, a starter tank, there would probably be a lot of aggression going on. But what's, with, what's the cardinal? Um, cardinals are a very popular fish that you see in the pet stores that uh, one line of them is, uh, well, they're, they're a little fish, and they have two lines, one being red and one being an iridescent turquoise. Mm. And again, as long as the light's on, the fish all retain their color. But at night, when the lights go off, the, all the fish become a very drab color to match in with their surroundings. I suppose this is like if they were in the wild to protect them from being eaten by the larger fish. Oh, I see. They, so they actually change colors. Yeah, yeah. They'll just, they'll just, all of them become very drab. You wouldn't even know it's the same fish. For heaven's sake. And then as soon as you put the light on them, it takes maybe 10 to 20 minutes and then they all light up bright again. That is so fascinating. And I, I have my fish tanks on timers so that um, it will, they'll come on about 10 o'clock in the morning and then they go off around 8 o'clock at night. Oh, perfect. And then I don't perfect. have to worry about going around snapping lights off, snapping lights on. And while I'm at work during the day, they just pop right on and everything is fine. That makes life so much easier. We'll be right back with more of Linda's interview with Janet Tweston right after this potentially interesting message. What were you thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. 
Skills in Session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet with pet expert and author Sarah Wilson. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly Hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Oh, in my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to What Were You Thinking? And here's more of Linda's interview with Janet Tweston. Moving on to, I understand that you also have had several different types of lizards. <laughs> yeah. And um, what is one of your, what different types have you had? Well, I had a bearded dragon for quite a while. Now, what, and, describe what they look like. Um, they look like a small iguana. It, it, it was funny because I've, I've just come back from Florida, too, and there's iguanas all over the place in the Keys. Oh, my. Hey, aren't they supposed to be behind glass? And they're just out why in the wild? They're everywhere. Apparently, people brought iguanas to the Keys from Australia, and as they got too big and so forth, they let them loose. And so they are all through the Florida Keys. And you'll just be walking around, and say a big three-foot iguana will walk out. Oh my! <laughs> but they're not aggressive, are they? No, no, and they're more plant eaters. They. Uh, uh, they like to eat the vegetation down there, and they've adapted quite well to the Florida Keys. So they're kind of in the lagoon areas? Yeah, they're all all through, uh, 
Isla Mirada and down to Key West. They're just all, they're everywhere down there. But it was a surprise. <laughs> That's a, do people get them and bring them to their houses and, right, well, you know? Well, I think they just see too many of them in the wild. Doesn't, it's not a novelty to them. No, no. And when I was in, in Antigua, they had a lot of the geckos running around and a knolls, which was funny because I had a, I've had a pair of day geckos and they're, they're very cute. They look, they look like the commercial on TV, the Geico For the insurance, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, have, they have the little hands, and they, they like to sun. They're active, aren't they? They're very active, and um, they, they like to go up by the heat bulb, and you keep a heat bulb on them at night and during the day, and then during the day you add an ultraviolet light to them. And that is the same for the bearded dragon. And the bearded dragon has quite a personality. Now, he has a long tongue, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, no, no. It is the veiled chameleon that All has right. a long tongue. That flips the tongue out from a long distance and grabs something. Mm-hmm. And I've had several of those. And they are very interesting. I had one that was about 15 inches long. And uh, I love them because they, they have kind of a cute little mitten hand. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of go along with kind of a little sloth, sloth movement and a little sloth-like hand. And they, all of the, the animals eat, or all of the reptiles eat uh, small crickets. Uh-huh. And um, you can get them basically at any pet store. And you usually keep a little supply on hand. Now, how long does a cricket stay in there before they decide to, how often they eat, I should say that? Oh, well, they all, all of them would eat every day. Okay. Um, it, it, they just, but it, it's just once in a while. You have to have kind of a, you usually have two or three in there. Now, the bearded dragon, he used to chomp down about five in the uh, morning and about five at night. That many? Yeah, and he would go for the big size ones. I'd be out in the garden and I'd find grasshoppers and crickets, and I would bring them in for him. And he loved those. And really? They like to hunt. They like to be chasing them around. Really? Yep. Now, my, my bearded dragon, I have a really funny story about him. He was just getting too big for me to take care of, and he had a lot of personality. Now, how long was he? I was going to ask you how big he was. Um, he got, well, he was, he was about 15 inches big. Oh, that is pretty long. big. And I, I got him when he was only a couple of inches. Oh, my. And he grew quite quickly. So I had a, uh, I worked for a doctor's office. I had a patient that um, his girlfriend was from a large family, and her brother wanted a bearded dragon. And so for Christmas a year ago, um, they bought a big 55-gallon tank for him, and I, I I thought this would be a wonderful present for them, and so they they took him on home. And I understand the boy, he's a teenager or in high school, that he was so thrilled with the dragon that I guess he would even go around the room with the dragon around his neck. Really? Yep, and he loves that dragon. Oh. He made a wonderful sitting by putting the two of them together. And every once in a while when my patient comes in the office, I'll say, How's the bearded dragon? Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> he's wonderful. What's his name? What's his name? Oh, gee, I can't remember what I na- named him. Oh, my. It was, it, what it, a happy story. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, they have done so well together, and I, I, I thought that was wonderful. And my chameleons were a lot of fun. They were very slow. And, again, that was um, a fun thing. You could only have one in a tank at a time. 
Really? Yeah, because apparently they'll be quite aggressive. In fact, they will kind of hiss at you. Even the bearded dragon, if you get him off of guard, he'll kind of hiss at you. But um, the, the chameleons and the bearded dragons are like that? So, yeah, both of them will do that. The day geckos didn't do that. The day geckos are a lot like the little dime store anoles, those little... Um, the, the the little anoles that were sold years ago in in the dime stores and at circuses and I don't know if you remember uh, girls used to have a little chain that they would put around the neck and they would wear them as pins. Oh my! And it, that was I guess what I was growing up. They 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 were. You're talking about the chameleons. The, the little the little anole chameleons. The yeah. Ones that were in the dime store. I think I remember that. Yep. And and if you had a, a green blouse, they would change to green, and if you had a red blouse, they would go kind of rust color. They were. They were very popular, but now you just you can buy them like the little day geckos and just set up a nice little terrarium for them. Well, now we know you have horses also and that you love them dearly. Mm-hmm. And I've always perceived horses to be these beautiful uh, but slightly sentimental uh, animals that are a little bit strong-willed but basically <laughs> affectionate and that sort of thing. And um, would you perceive them to be just about like that, very uh, affectionate, yes. but a little bit strong-willed? Oh, and- yes, yes, because I have miniature horses, and I have, um, I-, I just acquired a new riding horse. Um, he's 14 years old, and he's part Arab, part quarter horse. Wonderful. And I was, like, kind of skeptical, because I'm, I'm getting up there, and I thought, hmm. But I, I tried him out. He's very smooth. And I come over to the fence, and he whinnies to me, and he comes running when he sees me. And since I've only had him a couple of weeks, I'd yeah. say that, that's, that we're doing pretty well. Oh, that's him. wonderful. Now, I understand that very occasionally they think of some way to get out of their enclosures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you have a good story or two about times when the horses, you came home from work one time, and they were not in their pen, and what transpired then? Well, I, I had a couple of different instances. Um, one time, I had uh, I had two riding horses here. I had my daughter's horse for many years. I had him for fifteen years, and he was about eighteen. And uh, and then I had another old horse that I had bought from a local riding stable. And we had a Dalmatian dog that was here. And Dalmatians, their their purpose with the firehouse horses was to bite at the ankles to get the fire horses moving yeah. if there was a fire. So yeah. one day this young Dalmatian decided he would kind of, he was playing with them, he'd nip at their heels. And I had not secured the gate properly, and all of them shot out of the gate. Ay, 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 and ay, they ay. ran down the path behind my house, and they, they went on to the next street. So I grabbed a bucket of grain and a lead line, and I went out and tried to hunt them down, my heart beating a mile a minute. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and, uh, we have a large adult foster care home on the next street. And if I was surprised. I looked up the hill, and here they were peeking in the window. The adult <laughs> foster care home. So I called them, and they came. What were they thinking, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I think they were just. Curious. They'd always wondered what was in those windows. Yeah, they wondered. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was really funny because they came and they saw the bucket, and I'm like, okay, I got them. But as soon as they saw the lead line, they took off and they ran back up there again. And I thought, 
they will never come again. But oh, I called them goodness. again, and I got the, uh, and they were doing the same thing. They were peeking in the window. They went there twice? They went there twice, and I was so shocked. I was like, what if these people are looking out the window? Can you imagine? And, and they see a horse's head looking <laughs> in the cab. You know, they have to be freaky. Nobody's going to believe them. Now, from where the, their pen, where they normally stay, is that, a, would they have been able to see that ner- no, from there? No, so it wasn't they, something they stared at all day and thought about. Well, it was, a, it's actually through the woods and around the corner. So they, they never saw it necessarily, no, other no. than if you let them out and were going for a walk, ride with them. Yeah. yeah. That is and so hilarious. I used, to, I used to go that way, so it's possible. I think they were just curious. And I just, so, you know, so are they curious animals? Yeah, they're very curious. If you, um... Oh, if you move a bag of sawdust shavings, which you put in the bottom of their stalls to keep them comfortable and and uh, and collect their remains, so to speak, they um, if they hear you rattle the paper, they'll come in. Sometimes I've come home from work, and if I leave a bag of sawdust in there, it'll look like a party. They've shook out all the sawdust. They've got. They'll take the halters off the wall. It'll look like somebody had a big beer party going you are on kidding. inside the barn. Oh. Oh my uh, goodness! That's a lot of fun after you've worked a hard day and you're like, oh, uh-huh. I've got all this to clean up now too. What little trick they pulled today? Mm-hmm. They um, are your were your horses basically affectionate to one another? Um, or were they jealous? Or do they get jealous? They they figure out kind of a pecking order as to who's in charge. For instance, this morning is the first time that I've put the two minis in with the riding horse. And one of the minis, um, up until a couple of years ago, was a little stallion, and he's only 27 inches tall. Oh, my. Well, he still at times thinks he's a stallion. <laughs> so I moved him in this morning, both minis, with the new horse, the, the new full-size riding horse. Oh. And he right away tried to dominate him and tried to take a bite out of the other one's, out of the big one's neck. The big one was very good and just spun around and showed him the back legs. Didn't kick him, but he could have kicked him. Showed him the back legs. And for a few minutes, my neighbor and I were both watching this. We kept watch. Touch and go. Yeah, there was a lot of running. They were trying to herd together. They were establishing who was going to be number one, who was going to be number two. Oh, boy. And now as I look out the window, all three are getting along beautifully They're just fine. Have you ever found that they tend to show off a little more when the people are standing around, but then when the people walk away, it's a different story. They kind of relax. Yeah, well, my, um, my daughter's horse was a gorgeous paint. He was a big brown and white paint. Um, and they, it was termed appendix, which is thoroughbred quarter horse mix. And I had a big party here one day for our people at work. Now, usually the horse would be pretty placid, and he wouldn't be paying any attention. But he had his head up, and he would, everyone had wanted to ride him until they saw him kicking, running, tail up in the air. They're like, oh, I guess we won't ride him. Like, no, that's probably not a good idea. Then, of course, as soon as everybody left, they're back to their heads. Settled right back down. Yeah, but it's the same thing in a horse show. A horse may be just sitting around your house, and if you are going over a jump or riding him around your area, they're just kind of so-so. Yeah. But as soon as they get in a, sh- a show where they hear the announcer and they see the crowd, they get caught awesome. up in the excitement of it. Yeah, yeah. They're and just they like people in a way. They love to travel. We we take the horses, the neighbor and I, up to Ionia, where you can ride horses and also camp out in the state park. 
And, uh, oh, if, it's a wonderful social event. Oh, it would be. Yeah, because people get together and, oh, there'll be some challenging out on the trails where you try to kind of run the other one down. And the horses have so much fun there. They just perk oh. right up. Oh, it sounds so fun. It looks like we're running out of time, but uh, I just loved the, the stories you told, Janet. It's just uh, people will, would be so entertained. Oh, by, I, have, I, I could go on and on. I just loved your stories, and I want to thank you so much thank for you. coming on the show, and uh, your animals all sound so charming. And oh, you're entirely welcome. Thank you so much. I try to get along. They, I, I try to, to break them in all gradually to each other so that they will all be friends, and we can eliminate yes. problems. Exactly. That's that's the the task of all pet owners is to t- try to make harmonious relations between everybody. Oh yeah, even with so, the fish, you want to be very that's careful it. and add them very slowly. Everything to be sure that they go along together. Yeah, well. we want everything to turn out right. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for being on the show. Oh, you're entirely okay. welcome. All right. Good day. Thanks so much to Janet Weston for being on today's show, and our next guest might be you. That's right. We'd like to hear about your exotic pet. Just send us an email at bob at petliferadio.com. That's bob at petliferadio.com. And we'd like to have you on the show talking about whatever animal you have at home other than a dog or a cat. So thanks so much for listening this week. And thanks to our mysterious producers. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.